Kia ora. Welcome to 168 Days of Magic. This is the podcast that invites you to empower your creative spirit and get stuck into a project that nourishes, nurtures and excites you. Each episode, we'll be looking at how mindfulness, productivity and creativity all come together to give you the power, stamina and resilience to bring something new into the world. My name's Jordan Harcourt-Hughes and I'm an artist living on New Zealand's stunning Kapiti Coast, which is just an hour north of Wellington. I'll be your host and creative champion on this journey and I'll also be introducing you to some other wonderful people along the way, including some of our other local artists, wellbeing practitioners and life coaches to help us on our journey. Well, welcome back for another episode of the podcast. Today, we're talking about creative projects on the productivity front, resetting to deliver on your project past the halfway point. My podcast chat is with business coach Avril Maher. And on the creativity front, starting to document your work and tell the story of your creative practice. What I'm doing in these last few episodes of the podcast as we get towards the end of series one and hopefully the end of our first creative project is talking about why creative projects are good for us. And I think it's just to really remind us as we come to the middle stages of the project and the end stage and where it gets harder to keep that motivation up, harder to keep remembering why we started this thing in the first place. Let's just go back to the basics. Why are these things so good for us? So I came across Manchester-based photographer Anna Hardy She says a lot of good things. There are two things that I will uh, share with you that I particularly like. But in terms of explaining the broad stroke of a creative project, this is what Anna says. Quite simply, a goal or a project devised and undertaken by yourself purely for your own pleasure is what we're talking about here. Ideally, it shouldn't be part of any paid work or business, not done for financial profit, and not at all influenced by what other people like or want. Whatever your official day-to-day job is, your personal project is an opportunity to forget what you're paid to do, have fun with your art, develop your creativity and completely please yourself. She also talks about the fact that creative projects can help us find our personal style and can also help us broaden and diversify our portfolio and the opportunities that come from that. So Anna talks about the fact that when you're doing professional work, you've got lots of pressures and boundaries. So pressures from clients, from industry trends, what your peers are doing, what the current buzz is, how you feel your work should look or feel or sound. And it can be easy to forget what you're personally interested in. But a personal project allows you to step away from all of those influences and pressures just to develop your creativity. So when it comes to finding your personal style, this really comes from the idea of stepping away from what other people need and want, what your clients or your work expects from you, and to just go back to the basics of what you want, what you like, what you enjoy, what gives you pleasure and makes you feel happy. And that's a really great place to find your personal style by connecting with what you value. Also, creative projects can give us the chance to explore and exploring other ways of working uh, can also in the future lead to different streams of work, different income opportunities, and it might help you stop pigeonholing yourself in your career as well. So if you take on projects on the side, eventually they may feed through and the ideas you explore, you'll be able to bring that back to your professional uh, arena and apply what you're doing and learning and thinking and exploring to your uh, professional career and your projects and collaborations that can come from working with colleagues and uh, other people based on bringing in that sense of excitement and exploration that you're getting in touch with through your own creative project. So 
So this is episode 11 of series one of the podcast. And by now we are really deep in the depths of our project, ideally. And it's possible that we're kind of, we've hit the halfway mark, if not a little bit beyond the halfway mark. So technically, if we're talking about 168 days, uh, which is our six month project framework that we're looking at, the halfway mark is around the three month mark, uh, but everyone's different. So you might hit your stride really early and be quite well advanced, or you may have taken a little bit longer, you may have taken some turns here and there and, and taken a little bit more to, time to explore before you kind of really articulated what your creative project was about. So everyone's different and that's totally fine. So we're, we're taking a very general view here. But the three month mark is a really good opportunity to do a few things. But let's look at what you probably have already done with your creative project. So you've had an initial idea, you've committed to getting stuck into it over a period of six months, you've set yourself some goals, you've looked at how you can put time and energy aside to work on stuff, and you've probably done some exploration and experimentation by now. Uh, there's a good chance you've tweaked that original idea, uh, you may have refined it, uh, you may have evolved your thinking, you may have completely thrown out your first idea and you may now be on your second or third idea. And that's really healthy and that is what the creative project process is about. It's about giving you the time to think it through. So when we're in our busy world and we're, um, you know, we're, we're kind of just thinking conceptually about the idea of doing a creative project, we haven't yet had the time to really sit in that space and think it and play with it and enact it. So really our first ideas can often be just really the starting point. So I feel very comfortable if your ideas have evolved and changed and, and kind of taken a new direction since then. That is all part of the process. It's really great. But you may have really gotten stuck in and probably really doing the work now. And as you probably know with anything, doing the work can be hard. It can be tiring. So this is the time where it's really great to have a break, have a think, make sure that we are feeling good about the work that we're doing, but we're not feeling too bogged down. We're not feeling like we're just completely exhausted. Have a break, take a breather, look back, look forward. At that midpoint, it's a really good time to see where we are in the, in the scope of the bigger picture. And have a think about what it's going to take to get to the end now that we're halfway or more than halfway through. Creative coach Cheryl Garrett talks about the four stages of a project and she talks about the messy middle being the second bit. And this is what Cheryl says about the messy middle. This is where the real work starts. You're over the infatuation phase of the relationship and now you're having your first arguments. You're seeing that your project has flaws and that it might not ever live up to the vision that you had in the thrilling beginning. At this point, it will be tempting to walk away to start another new and exciting idea, or you just decide that it isn't for you and you leave your project gathering dust on the shelf of abandoned dreams. The third way is longer, harder, but it's the only path that's truly satisfying. You work through it, you get help, you turn up day after day, you wrestle with the problems until you resolve them. On the way, you'll take wrong turns, get led down blind alleys, but you'll learn from those. Sometimes when the path ahead is unclear, you just need to turn up and do the work with blind faith that it will work out. And sometimes it will be the work itself magically telling you what to do next. A solution will come in the shower, in a dream or on a walk. One of the characters in the novel you're writing will do something unexpected halfway through a sentence. The paint will tell your brush where to go. You suddenly ad-lib the perfect middle eight for that song. Then a new problem will rear its head and you'll go through it all again and again. 
The messy middle is repetitive and often lonely. It's where the most brilliant ideas die. But keep going step by step and you'll get to the other side. You need to trust yourself to keep showing up and keep doing the work. This is the part that never really gets any easier, no matter how experienced you are. But the more you complete projects, the more you'll understand that this bit is painful, it's messy, it's where it's easy to lose faith. If you keep at it though, you will eventually find your way through it and will all fit together to make a satisfying whole. So I think that's a really nice description of this middle part where it's just hard work. But as I said, one of the things that we can think about when we're in the middle of the work and the doing is how to have a rest. And I want to talk about this idea of purposeful rest. So this isn't just walking away and forgetting about it. This is just taking a breather. So a rest is a reward, but it can be a very intentional setting down of creative tools to give yourself a moment to step back and get a different perspective, appreciate how far you've come. So stamina is about different kinds of fitness, but it's also about the long game. And rest and relaxation can help us keep our energy levels up so that we don't give up in a fit of exhaustion. So that may mean different things to you. It could mean just giving yourself a weekend of just TV. It could mean having a week away from the studio, from the book. It may be longer or shorter, but I would recommend at this point, don't take too long. Uh, this is just purposeful rest to keep going, to keep doing the doing. It's just to make sure that we're not driving ourselves into the ground. So keep that in mind. There's also something else that you can consider at the halfway point, which is the creative reset. It's kind of aligned with purposeful rest, but it is just about that reset at the halfway point to make sure that you're in the right a space to make it to the end. So do you need to revisit your goals? Do you need to think about what you can do in this second half of the project differently, better? Do you need to bring other people in? Do you need to take stuff out of the project, trim it down, streamline it? What can you do to make sure that you get it over the line at that six month mark? There is a UK agency called i4. They've written a great post as well on the creative reset. And again, they talk about a bunch of different things but I recommend that you have a read of it if you need to think about how you're going to prepare for the next part of the journey, that kind of that second half. So I'll put the post on the episode notes page uh, for the podcast. Have a look at it. Think about where you are. Think about the messy middle, the doing, the turning up, the showing up for the work, how to rest, how to get your energy back and how to focus on what is the end point now? So how, how do you get from the middle to the end and keep your energy and your passion alive as you do so? So this is the point where you really want to start uh, having that thinking time and reflection for getting to the end from here. So today my podcast chat is with business coach Avril Maher. She specializes in working with women and supporting them to develop successful businesses. She helps her clients develop memorable brands, a clearly defined niche, and the confidence to be paid what they're worth. So a nice break from creative work, uh, but this might be helpful if you're looking to connect your creativity to your professional work, to your career, or if you have a creative career. So if your creativity is your career and your business, this might be helpful for you as well. Avril, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Now, you're a business coach and you work predominantly with women. How did you get to where you are today? 
Well, um, I've been working for myself most of my adult life, one way or another, and I, all I really knew is that I wanted to help people, and I went through a variety of different business ideas and options before I finally hit upon what I feel I do my, you know, best. And I trained in various different modalities and went through long periods of self-doubt and worry before I actually felt that I was confident in presenting um, something really useful to people so that I could really help them in the long run. So when I look back at my career, I sort of think, wow, how would it have been different if I had had someone to guide me and to really challenge me through all the problems that I, I faced uh, when I first started? But I started, you know, as a therapist and then went into personal coaching. Absolutely love that. And then that sort of um, led me to stress management. And that in itself led to coaching business owners, because, you know, let's face it, a lot of business owners get very stressed. So that's sort of been my evolution, I guess you'd say. Lovely. And as you said, one of your goals is to help people not struggle through the years of uncertainty like you did. So when it comes to creative folk, what are some tips that you can give in terms of getting clarity uh, and gaining confidence in what they're doing? I think the best thing really is not to second guess yourself. Once mm. you've created something, by all means, go through your normal editing type of process. But when the piece is finished, don't doubt it. Have mm. faith in yourself and your product. That's a great piece of advice. Yeah, and, and regarding clarity, getting clear about what you want to create and how you want to express that creativity, it does require clarity and some decision making. So I thought I might introduce a little exercise for you around creating clarity. Is that okay? Mm. Yes, absolutely. It sounds great. Awesome. Okay, so um, in this instance, I'm using an example of, of building a business, but you can use this process to gain clarity in any other areas as well. So it all starts with you finding yourself in a nice quiet place and taking a few deep breaths and just centering yourself. And when you're ready, I want you just to imagine and start with the big picture. It's a brainstorming type of exercise where you write down all of the things that you would like your life to be like. You can brainstorm with a list or create a mind map, whichever sort of feels natural for you. But I want you to think about what you'd love to be doing, um, where you'd like to be when you're doing it, and who you'd like to be doing it with. I'd like you to consider what sort of income you'd like to be making, and what sort of response you'd like to get from your creative endeavours. Now, even if this all seems really out of the box or even unattainable for you right now, that's fine. It's just a big dreaming exercise of imagining what life could be like if it was so absolutely wonderful for you. It's not your job right now to judge these ideas, just to let them flow and write them all down or draw them all down, however you like to do it. And then once that's completed, I want you to have a look at those ideas and choose six or eight things that really stand out to you as being the most important, the way you really want to live your life. Now, the second step is about your overall values. And these are the things that you feel are most important in life. And, you know, the values, they can include things like family and appreciation, um, beauty, truthfulness, justice, you know, those, those sorts of things. I'm sure you'll 
get the idea of what values mean. And if not, I'm sure Google will come up with plenty for you. Um, so the importance about values is that they become the criteria from which you make decisions. So what I want you to do is write a great list of the values that you hold dear. And again, select the six or eight top values. And then refer back to your desire list that you made earlier. And take the top desires and compare them to your top values. And if they match, well, that's fantastic. But if there's a disconnect, well, that will tell you something. And it may, you may realize that there's a little bit more work that needs to be done. Does that make sense? That's great. Yes. Yeah. Most people are, are aware of these sorts of things subconsciously, but bringing them out clearly into the conscious mind, you can deliberately tap into those ideas when you need to have some clarity around decision making. Mm, that sounds amazing. Thank you for that. That's a great exercise. Now, you also help people to create memorable brands. What do you think is the most important part of a memorable brand from your experience? Oh, um, well, I guess it really depends on whether you're intending to sell a product or a service. That's when you really need something memorable. But the thing to remember really is that people buy from people. So building rapport and connection through your brand is really key. And to do this, you need your brand to be authentic and unique. And it's really, it's really a reflection of who you are and what is important to you. So those values and the little exercise mm -hmm. we did before, that's where it all ties in. Lovely. Because um, when you communicate who you are in your brand, then the ideal clients or customers will automatically be drawn to you. Mm, that's very, um, very smart, actually. And now you also uh, help people to price their services. Do you think that we as women struggle in this space particularly? Yes, absolutely. I do. I do think that women struggle with pricing more than perhaps their male counterparts do. Um, in many cases, I think it's because women have been raised or society has um, tended to make them think that uh, they have to think of other people first, they need to be modest, and don't presume that they're better or worth more than someone else. And, you know, that sort of belief system can be really detrimental and, and get in the way of creating any good pricing structure. So um, I, I really believe that people, women particularly, need to get over that so that they can be paid what they're worth. Yeah. It sounds great. Do you find your clients take some time to get into a different headset when it comes to pricing? Yes, um, it can be quite challenging. But one of the things that I, I work with with my clients is a money personality assessment so that everybody has a, a unique money personality. And once they understand the gifts and the challenges that each of those money personalities have, then they start to realise that they have been, uh, they have a certain traits that lead them to certain beliefs. And once they start understanding that and realize that those beliefs can be changed and those opinions of themselves can be changed, then, then they start to shift their mindset and realize that yes, um, they can price the, the things they have uh, in a way that's appropriate and really worth, um, worth their effort. Mm. So when you talk about a money personality, is that like an archetype? 
yeah, a lot of people don't really appreciate the word archetype. So I sort of introduce it as a money personality type. But yes, um, the work that I do, I use brand archetypes and I also use money archetypes. So um, helping to identify your strengths and your weaknesses in that area it can be very, very useful. Mm, fantastic. Now, if people are thinking about growing up and setting themselves up as a business and offering creative offerings, do you have any tips for them to kind of go through in that thinking process and planning process? Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, that is quite a big question. And I was giving yeah. it a little bit of thought earlier. So um, I think something that creative people really need to consider is the difference between what they want to create, you know, what inspires them and fills them with joy, and what customers actually want to buy. Hopefully there'll be no difference at all between uh, what you want to create and what people want to buy, but sometimes there is, and that's an aspect that you will need to take into consideration if you want to make it a viable business. I think, you know, if you intend to make this business with your art, whether it's, it's music or writing a book or, or painting a picture, you need to be clear about who you're creating your products for. You know, sort of think about, is it for the stay-at-home mum who loves pretty things, or will your products feature in a corporate boardroom? You know, knowing who you're actually going to be delivering this product to is really key to how you create your business model so that it supports you um, both financially and with your creative ambitions as well. Very wise. Now let's talk about productivity. How do you see productivity and how do you think creative people can take into account some ideas around productivity to keep them on track with their with their projects? Yes, productivity and quite what quite often happens is procrastination. Now one thing uh, that comes to mind, especially about procrastination, is the idea of getting everything perfect. And I'm sure that this happens with creative people a lot. And it's really something that you need to be aware of if you go down that road. You know, you need to stop and ask yourself, am I just being a perfectionist with this? Or is what I've created um, good enough? And by good enough, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be something that you're confident with and that you're proud of. But um, I think procrastination does come in when you when you get tied up with that, oh, no, I have to change it, I have to change it, I have to change it, and yeah. you don't really want to change it, and you don't want to yeah. change it. Yeah. It's, a, it's a vicious circle. Another thing that comes into mind about productivity is, in many cases, it's about motivation, finding the motivation to actually complete the task that you've set yourself. Uh, it might be, you know, finishing your book or completing an artwork. And if you're struggling to, to get started or, or get the work finished, I would recommend that you take a step back and reconnect with your why. And that is why you're doing this in the first place. You know, it, it might be very simple. It might be that you need to sell something to pay the bills. Uh, it might be for your family or it may be a deeper reason like that you feel the need to be acknowledged or you want to prove to yourself um, that you're capable of completing this or doing this activity. You know, there's all sorts of reasons why, but connecting with your why will, will reconnect you with your motivation. So some people also struggle with productivity and the motivation factor doesn't really do it for them. 
they need something else, a little bit like a kick in the pants. And the little kick in the pants exercise, or the thing to think about, is um, writing a list of the consequences of not doing it. What will happen if you don't finish this book? What will happen if you don't complete your artwork? Um, and it's not just about you either. It's how other people in your life are going to be affected or impacted by this. Um, sometimes we really just need to step back and have a look at the bigger picture so that we can really show the world what we can do. Uh, but one little tip about this is that on a practical level, I have found that motivation often comes after action. Which sounds around the wrong way, but yeah, I would say motivation comes after action. And if we could use an example like, say you uh, have um, decided that you want to run a marathon or a half marathon, and you know that you want to get fitter and you have to um, go for a run before work every day. But the temptation to lie in bed is really, really inviting. So one small action step that you could do is to have all your running gear at the end of your bed, including your running shoes, and all you have to do is put them on. That's your small action, and that's done, and that makes it easier to walk out the door and start running. So that's what I'd recommend, a small action to start that motivation cycle going and uh, it will get you completing your project in no time, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. Yeah, nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Avril, thank you so much. There's so much wisdom in your words. Great counsel for creative folk. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Avril today. If you're interested in finding out more about her offerings, check out her website, avrilmar.com, and I'll also have her details on the episode notes for the podcast. So the last thing I wanted to talk about today is documenting your work as you go. Now, this is largely me talking about my work in the visual arts space, so when I do my paintings and drawings, but I think it's great for any kind of creative practice that you're keeping a record of how you're working and why you're working, because for a start, it can be good to reflect on the journey and what's changing for you as you go. And sometimes over a six month period, it can be hard to remember where you were when you started. So journaling, keeping a diary, keeping notes of the project as you progress can be really helpful. And I think it also just helps us just see the journey in a different way. So when you are at the three month mark or at the halfway point, which is what we've been talking about today, it's a really great point to look back and see how you've progressed and how you've evolved and what you've learned along the way. So hopefully you've been taking notes as you go. If you haven't, now is a really great time to start doing so. The way that I document my work is when I'm painting, when I'm in the studio, I always have my camera and that's just my phone. So I have my phone nearby and with all of my paintings, I take pictures as I go. Now, there's a couple of reasons for this, and I was just uh, having a chat about this to someone the other day, actually, where I was saying, I throw out many, many more paintings than I finish. So a lot of my work doesn't end up working, and not so much now, but when I first started, uh, I had lots of disasters. I had lots of things that I just ruined. I overworked. I went down the wrong direction, and I couldn't get it back. But I was never too worried about it because I was taking pictures as 
I went. And when you take pictures, it means that you've, you've got a record of, of what it looked like before you killed it, essentially. So it's great to be able to see this is when it looked good and this is when I went too far. But I also work in the digital environment, so photos can help me when I do my digital collages as well. And in that way, it doesn't actually matter if the painting isn't the complete version, because sometimes I'll just take elements from a painting. I'll take a detail or a patch of colour, and I'll use that in a composition. So it's really handy for me to have lots of digital assets uh, as I go. So that's just something for you to think about now, particularly if you haven't been doing it. Because we're at the halfway mark, there's a great opportunity for you to now start recording as you go. That may mean keeping a journal of how you're progressing and how you're making changes in your goals or your planning. It may mean that you have an audio recorder app on your phone and you also talk to yourself as you go in terms of what you're doing with your project. It may be that you take photos like I do. Now, I also think this is really valuable to help you talk about your creative project. Now, one of the things that people often think is that they have to wait till they finish something before they can start to talk about it. So I'm guilty of this and I think everyone can feel very anxious about showing their work to the world before it's finished, when it's still raw, when it's still, you know, you're not able to quite articulate what you've done or how you've done it. It's messy, it's incomplete. But I think as soon as you feel comfortable, I would encourage you to start talking about what you're working on. So it may just be over coffee with friends, it may be with family, you may start to feel comfortable to post some photos of your work or some uh, a few pieces of writing if you're doing a writing project. Whatever it is, the sooner you can feel comfortable starting to get your work out into the world, the more comfortable you will feel when you get to the end point and then you're ready to start talking about the finished piece. And this is part of your journey as a creative person, as an artist, because remember, this is about this, this creative project is likely to be about something that you truly value and that you truly enjoy. And if that's the case, then why not share it with the world? Why not bring your passion and your enthusiasm for something out and share it with others? Because that creative spirit can ignite and encourage and inspire others as well. So don't forget, you've got that ability to tell a story about the work, even if it's not finished, even if you're not quite sure where you're going with it. It's a really good opportunity to start building confidence in that space and helping others to see uh, what they might also do in their life with their creativity. Remember, we're all creative people. We've all got these skills and uh, we can all benefit by using them more. So how can you share your journey with others uh, and encourage them as well to think about their own creativity? So that's it for us today. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Next time on the podcast, we'll be talking about creative projects again and I'll be giving you an update on how I'm going with my own. My podcast chat is with Carpety Coast artist Julie Davidson. And on the mindfulness front, we'll be talking about the art of single tasking. So see you then.